All right, welcome to another episode of the Robert Genius Podcast. Um, so, got a bunch of serious stuff to get to later. And it's been a little bit. And, you know, I've spoken all this year about my issues with, you know, not writer's block, but podcaster's block. <laughs> and I guess I mean, I've been, I've had some bit of writer's block also. Um, because I have been devoting a lot of energy to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, which um, I do every week. If you're a wrestling fan, do check that out. You know, it's me, DJ, and Jason. Um, but that's eaten up just a lot of my kind of attention, energy, what have you. So this this one has suffered a little bit. But... um And because of that, also because, you know, I, well, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, I, you know, unless something topical comes up, you know, in the news, I think I've pretty much given you guys all the takes that I have about so many things. But um, now I have been doing more than just, you know, doing a podcast once a week. But, you know, it's just, hey, but I promise, I'll look, I'm going to keep this thing going. It's not every week anymore. And you know what? I take my hat off to people who can do this type of thing every week or even several times a week, you know, many times without guests. Um, and you don't really get a real handle on how you know difficult it is until you try to do it yourself so this has definitely been a learning experience um you know it's like they say about doing radio like you know anybody can do one good radio show or one good episode of a radio show but doing it five days a week for years and years and years that's the trick um so yeah I mean, but look, I love you guys. You guys keep listening. It's been fun. Those of y'all who, you know, say stuff back, give me comments or feedback or whatever. Love you guys. And not going away. Again, you know, it's not as frequent now, but I'm still here. So well, what's been going on with me? Well, let's see. Um, school's back in session for the children. Two weeks in. So far, so good. Um... I've been catching up on some TV watching. I finished watching Veep. And my take on that was that overall, good show. But the first three, four seasons were definitely better than the last three. Because um, if you're not familiar with it, it's a show about... The vice president, played by Julia Louise Dreyfus, and you know, Selena Meyer—that's her name—and so she starts out as the vice president, and the president, she's one of those vice presidents that gets shut out of everything, right, or ignored, or what you know, or just given like the crappy stuff to do. So, you know, she spends time trying to 
you know, stick her nose into what the president is doing, or getting to do something that's important, all that. And so the show's about her and her staff. And then, you know, into like season three or four, I think, she becomes president because the president has to step away. I forget. Yeah. But she becomes president. And then, so she does that for a while. And then she has to run, you know, she runs for elections so she can have her own proper presidential term. And that's where it kind of starts to fall off the rails. Because, look, I mean, people who work in politics in Washington, a lot of them are, you know, just careerist to a fault. They're narcissistic, self-centered, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. A lot of them are very lacking in principles, right? Um, so, like, during the first half of the of it, like, you know, there's a lot of that going on, but it's done in a more comedic fashion. And Selena herself is just, there's some of that to her character, right? But she's still somebody you're rooting for and, you know, is likable and charming and funny and all that stuff. But then, like, when she becomes president, um, you know, it, uh, just everybody on the show takes a bit of a turn and just becomes, you know, the more charming and likable elements of it are kind of lost. It's still funny, but it's funny in a different kind of way. It's funny because you're just the audacity of these people. And so, you know, it's it's kind of done in the Seinfeld vein where, like, these people, like, none of these folks are people you'd probably want to be friends with, <laughs> right? But, you know, but what, you know, but what they do on, during the course of the show is, is funny. But it just, they, be, yeah, I mean, over the, as the show goes on, people, you know, the, the people who were likable become less so. And to the point where it's like just one of her staffers is like this guy who just, he just dotes over her the whole time. And, you know, there's kind of a undertone of him maybe having some feelings for her, maybe. And, you know, towards the beginning, you're like, well, you know what? Yeah, it, it's a, you know, it's a real long shot given the way the characters are written and placement and all of that. But if they somehow got to a place where they ended up together, that'd be really cool, right? That's kind of how it feels at the beginning. But by the time we get towards the end, it's like, bro, um, you deserve a lot better than that. And again, it's just, it's the way the characters are written. It's the way the story is written. Um, so, you know, again, overall, good show. But kind of it for me, it just kind of went down the last couple of seasons. So I finished that. I'm still, I mean, like season two or three of Star Trek Discovery. That's been really good so far. Different twist on things. There, um, that's about the Starship Discovery, <laughs> right? Um, and mainly about. Um, you know, you know, the crew members and all of that stuff. Um, and I'm forgetting the protagonist's name right now, but she starts out as like a officer 
and she ends up on the discovery and you know as the show goes on she becomes captain and i haven't gotten to that point yet but you know she was raised as a you know with she was raised by vulcans on you know and and this is to me where it gets i you know it, it it's kind of leaning on the original series as a crutch right now for me because she was raised by vulcans and her kind of Vulcan brother, so to speak, is Spock from the original series. So now where I am right now, they're getting into, there's a lot of stuff going on with her and him. And it's like, okay, yeah, um, okay. Uh, can we get through this? We can get back to the crew and to her doing their own thing. Um, yeah. And look, I know these series... They're trying to maximize their reach. You know, they're trying to get people like me who were there for the original series or who watched the original. I wasn't there for the original series. I wasn't born yet. But who, you know, familiar with the original series. I watched all the movies with the original crew. So, yeah, it's like you want to reach people like me. And you also want to reach people, new people, younger people, who would be, you know, entertained by the concepts of Star Trek, but are not beholden to, you know, the original cast or the, you know, next generation cast or what have you, right? But it's a, it's a tricky balancing act, I know. Which, you know, on the other side of the you know, star science fiction, you know, genre, you know, Star Wars, you know, they they seem to have decided to, well, actually, Kathleen Kennedy, actually, the head of Lucasfilm, actually said that they're sticking with the Disney Plus series for the time being, which I think is good. I think that's a good call because, quite frankly, look, the, the sequel trilogy ended on a bad note. And one, there were too many cooks in the kitchen there. They were trying to serve too many masters. And then episode nine turned into just, you know, years out. And, you know, it's, whew. episode nine is definitely just, it's just, copy and paste or cut and paste or whatever just kind of star wars copy pasta just kind of slap together i mean it definitely feels that way now um and uh So I think you know the, I think that doing the Disney Plus thing is the right way to go because, again, just like with Star Trek, they're trying to maximize the reach. So, you know, people like me who watched the original trilogy in theater as a kid, that you know they're trying to reach me and they're trying to introduce new stuff for people who are into new stuff and for younger people, and they're trying to touch the you know into the prequel trilogy also for the kids who grew up on the prequel trilogy 
so that you know they're trying to dip their toe in all these different ponds or pools or whatever and i think honestly the best place to do that is the disney plus area because like when you do if you're going to, when you do a another trilogy of movies that's supposed to kind of establish a new generation of, you know for a new generation of fans i mean the prequels did do that um and well the sequels don't seem to be doing that but or don't seem to have done that i guess we won't know until kids who watch the prequel trilogy become adults and start getting into creative roles but i don't know it it, it, it didn't hit the same and because well no i'm in a, i'm in a real original trilogy kid but yeah, you know, well, I mean, whereas, like, in my opinion, a lot of people's opinion, the, the prequels had their issues, but they still felt, it, you know, the feeling was still there, right? Um, you know, I didn't look at the same because I was an adult, right? But the overall feeling, overall vibe was still there. And, you know, no, I think, you know, Force Awakens started out that way, I, you know. But then, after that, it just was like, oh, okay. I mean, Last Jedi was, I, my official take on it was that it was a well, very well, it was a great story, very well done movie. But it wasn't what... It wasn't the movie to sell to Star Wars fans. Um, trying to do the, the character deconstruction and, you know, kind of thing. It's always, you know, doing character deconstruction for an audience that's not ready for it or does not want it yet or whatever, or doesn't want it at all. Is always a risky proposition, um, even if you tell, even if you do really, even no matter how well you, of a job you do with it, if you give it to the audience and they don't want it or they're not ready for it, there's going to be a lot of rejection. And then, but and then you throw in, you know, the, the, the you know, diaper wedding fanboys out there, you know. That just dragged down the discourse over those films. I mean, it was just a mess. So it's better. It's better to just camp out in the Disney Plus world and do the series because that way, look, there's still a lot of stuff from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy to mine for people like me, and that's what they're doing. And I dare say that's the smartest play. And, yeah, I just don't know that. Well, I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen with the sequel trilogy because so many of the, the people involved in those came out with a bad taste in their mouth. Right? Um, and they're not the, you know, they haven't become the kind of forever ambassadors for it that, you know, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher 
were and have been. And now that Ewan McGregor is being and, you know, for the prequel trilogy. Um, you know, and Samuel L. Jackson and, you know, others. Those people just haven't emerged, just haven't come out of the sequel trilogy like that. Um, so before you, you know, try to do another trilogy, movie trilogy, where you where you're setting up a whole new paradigm and a whole new characters and, and adding stuff to the mythos and all of that. Um, yeah, they need they need to just they need to get together and have a, a more central vision of what they're trying to do, and. You know, you, because you have to merge art and commerce with something as big as Star Wars. You do. Right? You can't. You can't just give it. I mean, you could have somebody with a really awesome artistic vision, and it just may not fit the business end of it. So, you have to merge both. And they didn't do that with the sequel trilogy. They tried it. You know, they they did at first with Force Awakens, but. You know, Last Jedi was more of a giving into the artist, or letting the artist come up with their art, and, and you know, a lot of people just weren't happy with it. And then they tried to walk it back, you know, with um, the rise of Skywalker, and it was just it was a mess. But anyhow, so that's what I've been into, you know, TV wise and all of that. Um, Contemplating whether or not to buy a physical copy of Top Gun Maverick. I love that movie so much. I went to see it twice at the theater. Um, and it's available for digital purpose purchase. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's it for that. Um, so we're going to get into the less trivial parts of the show here. A lot of serious topics to talk about this, this time around. All right, uh, as I'm finishing this thing up here, uh, well, I'm not finished yet, but, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's Thursday evening, and the news of the day Thursday was that Queen Elizabeth passed away, 96 years old. Um, and depending on who you are, and where you choose to talk about it, <laughs> it's either kind of a generally sad day, you know, from a celebrity standpoint, you know, RIP and all of that. But on um, my Twitter timeline, there has been a bit of rejoicing. Um, basically, because of what the monarchy represents and what she supported as, you know, the monarch and head of state of England, right? I mean, you know, the Queen of England was... You know, still the head of state of like 14 other countries that you know Britain colonized um, and you know that that, that kind of sucks well, it doesn't kind of suck it, it sucks a lot you know so just what she represented or what the monarchy represents um, to a lot of people is not great not good either and so this was not considered a particularly sad occasion now for a lot of people she's just you know she's the queen of England she's the, the, you know 
you, you saw her on television and she's just the Queen of England and you know you don't people don't necessarily you know connect all of the kind of bad stuff about you know the British monarchy to her you know yeah she's just the Queen of England they, again they just saw her on TV right and she shows up at you know fancy schmancy events in Britain and she you know meets the President of the United States you know and he goes over there to visit you know, um, you know, because the, the you know the prime minister is the head of the government, right? And you know, of course, then there's all kind of the gossipy stories about the royals and you know all of that. Um, so, depending on who you are, depending on where you live, depending on where you're from. Um, you know, you're looking at this a bunch of different ways. Like, um, now, the Irish were tap dancing on a grave. Well, I should say, some people from Ireland who have Twitter accounts. I mean, I don't want to, you know, just say the Irish. This is what the Irish do. No, I'm not trying to say all that. Um, I'm not trying to put that on all of them, you know. Um, I don't know. Look, some people don't care. Some people kind of generally treat, you know, it's like a celebrity death, you know, of some kind. And some people are happy to see her go because of what the monarchy represents. And she sure as hell didn't renounce any of the stuff that the monarchy represents. So, you know, uh, she's guilty, right? Um, you know, the, the things that make the British monarchs rich are you know stolen treasures from a lot of places they're not giving them back um you know they got rich in over the years you know in the slave trade and things like that and you know they're not giving back the money so yeah the, the monarchy was enriched by supporting a bunch of crappy things and, you know, so the, some folks were just not here for that. You know, from... And, therefore, the passing of the monarch is not some sad occasion. And... I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I don't really care. Like, I, look, I know what the monarchy represents. I know what the monarchy has supported, you know, over centuries and... You know, and I know all of that, but I mean, you know, Prince Charles is the monarch now, and he's gonna keep supporting the same shit. So, or he, or he's not, or he's not gonna give back the stolen treasures or and all of that, right? And um, so, to me, it's, it's no cause for celebration. I mean. Okay, Queen Elizabeth dead, so Prince Charles is the guy now. And he's going to, you know, <laughs> keep all the same stuff. And when he passes on, you know, whoever's next is going to keep all the same stuff. So, I, you know, I don't know what we're celebrating here, you know, uh, other than just the jokes. Well, I don't know. Man, I don't know. My condolences to the family. That's all I can say. Right? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. 
but like this is just one of those things where you know I'm not I can't manufacture the anger or nor can I manufacture feeling good about it I just you know just it's just a thing anyhow um, let's get on to something else shall we <laughs> Alright, just to give a little more context about the uh, Queen of England and people's responses, this is a uh, a guy. I forgot who he was, but he's uh, kind of, I think he was on MSNBC, I think he might have been like a historian or something. Um, but he here he is talking about Queen Elizabeth. Played a, a clip of her speaking in Cape Town in 1947 right. in South Africa. Right. That's the year apartheid took effect in South Africa. They, that was something mm. British colonialism ushered in. British colonialism, which she presided over for all these years, was had a terrible effect on, on much of the world. It's something that people uh, revolt from. And I, I have to say to the, your earlier question, why, why are news, American news networks uh, dedicating all of this time to Queen Elizabeth's funeral? I think it's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's something, there's a weakness in the American character that still yearns for that era of hereditary privilege, which is the very thing that that we escaped from. Okay, so I think that's uh, Richard Stengel, I believe that's who it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so basically what he's saying is that the... Um, there was a, they played a clip of her speaking in Cape Town, South Africa in 1947, and that's when apartheid was founded. And basically, you know, the British monarchy supported apartheid, South Africa. That's just a, one example, right? And so there are just things that the British monarchy supported, even if they were not the initiator or the facilitator of them in in the modern age, there are a bunch of there's a bunch of crappy shit they supported or they tolerated, you know. And she was ahead of the monarchy. And that's just how it works, right? I mean if your organization or whatever, if they support something or tolerate openly tolerate something and it's bad then if you're in charge of that organization, you get to heat. So, you know, like I said earlier, you know, the British monarchy, they haven't returned, you know, the, the you know, stolen treasures that they possess. That's why they're so rich. Like, look, they didn't, you know, you know, like, they, they didn't make a bunch of money betting on horses or something, right? They, they, right, they stole things. From countries that they, you know, took over, um, or colonized, or whatever, and they didn't give this stuff back under her reign. So, you know, she's culpable for, you know, presiding over the monarchy that held on to those stolen things, and you know that's just a taste of it. That's why a lot of people are just um, that's why some people on your Twitter timeline 
maybe cracking jokes or celebrating, you know, Queen Elizabeth's passing, or why they may not feel sorry for her at all. Um, you know, because, hey, um, she presided over some things that were pretty shitty, and... And didn't do anything to stop them. <laughs> or to, you know, make people whole or whatever. Anyhow, that's enough of the Queen of England. For another Queen of England, all right. Um, yeah, I think that's enough time I've devoted to Queen Elizabeth. Um, I mean, if you want my personal take, eh, I just, you know. Look, I'm not, I'm going to admit that you know, I, I I did not get angry, okay? Actually, I'm, I'm speaking facts here about what the British monarchy did, but, you know, I didn't get any particularly emotional surge one way or the other about her passing. Because, um, look, I never... I'm one of those people who basically... She was on TV. And... For me, getting mad... Or particularly just manufacturing being mad about that, I, you know, what, you know, why, you know, as far as, you know, there are people on Twitter who are saying much better, much more substantive things about, you know, the, her and her, you know, bad qualities than I could ever say. So I would suggest you just, Look at them, see what they're saying, you know, run with that. I don't have anything particularly enlightening to, to add one way or the other. Anyhow, enough of that. Um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Give the stuff back y'all stole. How about that? Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Um, well, this has turned out to be kind of a dour and sour episode. <laughs> Um, you know, I did a whole long bit about, you know, white people and politics and celebrities, and I spent a few minutes talking about Queen of England and colonialism and what have you. Um, so I guess I'll end with another tribute. This one will be a little more pleasant. <laughs> uh, Bernard Shaw passed away also. Um, for those of you younger people who are not familiar, Bernard Shaw was... He was an anchor on CNN back in the 80s and into the 90s, I believe. And, okay, so he worked at CNN until 2001. Uh, special thanks to the crack research department, which is also the uh, broadcasting department here. <laughs> um, for digging that up in a few seconds. In a few seconds. Um, yeah, he worked until 2001. He retired from CNN. And um, he was one of the basically pioneers in black broadcast journalism. He'd worked for ABC before coming to CNN, and he'd worked locally in Chicago. But, you know, CNN was national news, right? And he came to CNN in 1980, and that's around the time CNN started. And, you know, 24-hour national news was the hook 
to CNN. And he was one of the people who got it established and, you know, got it considered a credible news network, which it was for a very long time. I wouldn't call it one now. But, you know, he was a big reason why it had developed the good reputation that it once had. And, you know, to be a black man on <coughs> national news in 1980 was a huge deal, right? I mean, and to be covering serious news, not sports or, you know, <coughs> or something, you know, quote-unquote fun, right? Um, So our condolences to the family of Bernard Shaw. He was and he was also a uh, frequent, you know, guest at Washington football games. And you know, <laughs> nice to know he was a supporter of the team. You know, through these really awful Dan Snyder years. And in fact, um, Dan Snyder issued a statement of you know condolences because apparently they were buddies. But thank you, uh, Bernard Shaw, for your, the work you did, for the example you set. And condolences to the family. All right, so as, as I'm recording this part of the show, it is Sunday morning, September 11th. Um, it has been... ...21 years since... We were attacked on September 11th. Um, I haven't noticed as much kind of fanfare or whatever commemorating it this year. Probably a good thing. Now, last year, September 11th weekend, I was in New York. I was in Madison Square Garden. So, of course, I made a big deal out of it there, which is understood. But it's funny when I... Um, they don't make as big of a deal of it in Washington, in Washington D.C., other than you know the politicians and such. Um, but I just I don't know it. The uh, kind of I'm hyping up, I guess, for lack of a better term, for September 11th has always been. I don't know. It felt a bit weird to me. I just. Because it wasn't a good day. Um, and, you know, there are people who lost family, friends, loved ones that day. Uh, so this day every year is a tough day for them. And, you know, now for them, I say, look, you, you know, however you want it, you commemorate this day however you want to. Whether you want to make a big deal out of it or you really don't do nothing. Right? That's fine. Um, the rest of us, oh, I mean, I don't know, I think we, some of us do way too much, all right, um, you know, I was in Washington, D.C. then, that day, you know, the Pentagon got hit, and we were all scared, you know, and I was in, like, one of those Yahoo groups, you know, 
kind of the precursor to group chats. Um, and somebody said, wait a minute, plane hit the World Trade Center. You know, I was like, okay. Um, that's weird. You know, so that, I mean, but, you know, that type of thing just doesn't happen. You know, because we have such sophisticated tracking, guidance systems, all that kind of stuff. But playing at the World Trade Center, that's weird. And then a little bit later, playing at the Pentagon. And then when that happened, it was pretty clear. That's when it, that was when it became obvious. Okay, one plane hits the World Trade Center. Weird freak accident. Whatever plane also hits the Pentagon. That's not an accident. This isn't an accident. We're under attack. And then, you know, they ordered an evacuation of the building. Of course, problem with that is, you know, you're literally putting everybody out on the street when who knows what's going to happen next. So, and then, you know, then the, the trains and the buses stopped running. So, you had to scramble to get a ride. With, and hope for the best. Um, which is what we did. And, you know, and I remember being in the car. You know, I got a ride. And we had the radio on, car, because we, yeah, I was wondering what the hell's going on, what the hell's going on. And then, you know, people are calling whoever they can call. And of course, the phone, you know, were overloaded. But And there were just all these, you know, oh, they hit the Capitol. Oh, they hit the State Department. And, of course, none of those ended up being true. And then later on, we found out about the, you know, the plane that went down, that got taken down in Pennsylvania. When I eventually got home, you know, start calling around, calling around, um, and man, um, pretty scary day for me. But you know what? I didn't lose anybody, right? And I wasn't caught in the attack. I was close to one, but I just looked at it like you know. I don't know, I guess I'm not traumatized by it, you know. So for me, it's always been kind of weird to see people who were not even anywhere near as close to it as I was, you know, making it into this big thing. Or, or I said, you know, I mean, we, I mean, yes, you commemorate, you, you remember the day. You say some words on the day if you're so inclined, right? But just this over the top with the imagery and people selling merchandise and politicians, people exploiting it in all different kinds of ways. And some people hold it, you know. I just, 
almost making it out to be like a holiday. Right? Something to celebrate. And it's just like, no. I don't know. I mean, I hope as we get further away from it, you know, it'll that'll kind of dissipate a bit. But we'll see. But um you know, if you lost somebody that day, you know, my heart goes out to you. If you were at the scene of one of the attacks and you know, and you have just you know, trauma, bad memories from it, you know, my heart goes out to you. Um I just think we can be a little less, you know, jingoistic about it and a little less exploitive or exploitative or however you say it. Of it, because I think even now we still do too much. But um, now I will finally say thank you to all the men and women who gave their lives that day to get people to safety. And to the men and women who, who you know, survived but did the same. Um, those are the people we should, you know, when it comes time to lift people up, that's what we should lift up, you know. And and we do plan, we do that. We don't, we haven't forgotten those people. But what well, except, you know, the constant fighting over getting kind of health care for some of those folks. But um, that's what we should, you know, remember those people. You know, don't get. caught up, you know, in the excess of it, right? That's kind of what I think about September 11th. So I guess until we talk about this again next year, okay? All right, let's end this on a better note, shall we? <laughs> um, football season's here. Yay! And actually, uh, and the season opener was last night, and the uh, Buffalo Bills pretty much blew out the defending champion L.A. Rams. So we are here, finally. Um, I got two fantasy teams, uh, and Josh Allen from the Bills is the quarterback on one of my fantasy teams. Yay! And the other one's Patrick Mahomes. Yay! So... I'm doing good there. We, now we just got to see if the rest of the team <laughs> holds up there into the bargain in both cases. Um, but, you know, I slowly started paying more attention again to the NFL last year. Um, there was a time where I knew every important player on every team, um, you know, for, for years. And, you know, I kind of fell off from that to the point where I, now I like barely know anybody um, so I'm trying again to kind of get back into that uh, I know Josh Allen I know Tom Brady um, Aaron Rodgers I know a lot of the quarterbacks you know Kyler Murray Kirk Cousins yeah um, Russell Wilson it took me a while because I, I <laughs> it took me a while to put his name together. Good grief! 
Um, I think all the guys. Uh, and I'm, I'm not recalling right now, of course. But I, you know, if you, you know, if you give me a chance, I'll remember. Oh, uh, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati. You know, uh, Matt Stafford in L.A. Right. Um, so I know a lot of the quarterbacks now. So I, I become one of those fans, right, where I can name quarterbacks, but I can't tell you anybody else. Could maybe a few people like Aaron Donald, right? Uh, Miles Garrett. But anyway, um, here's to the beginning of football season. And look, I, this one, I, like I knew, like there was a time I knew everybody important in the NFL, NBA, college basketball, and college football. And now, you know, I barely know any of those guys. And like I, you know, I got some of it because I got away from it. You know, all, all of those, you know, um, you know, I kind of my sports nerddom is kind of going into the wrestling business the last few several years. <laughs> but um, here's, you know, here's another season. Um, we're hoping that the Washington Commanders do well. I got to get some Commander stuff. Um, as far as the name Commanders, I'm fine with it. It any name would take some getting used to, and the old name. Again, a lot of us were just had you know a lot of us had our heads in the sand for a long time about the old name. Um, and you know what? You know I've said it before I had my head in the sand about the old name, and, and it, it's you know. And, you know, look, there's no excuse to have been that, you know, tone deaf about that name for all those years. No excuse for any of us, okay? And, I mean, how obvious could it, how more obvious could it be that, you know, red skins was offensive? Okay, and, and yes, uh, the, 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 you know, original owner, George Preston Marshall, was an all-out racist. So it's no surprise that he came up with that name. But the rest of us, you know, once... It, you know... Once you didn't have George Preston Marshall catering to, you know, racist redneck fans anymore, everyone should have woken up. Right? Um... Or should have been ready to do something about the name. Now I know that you know it's also a business, and once the name is established and you're making money off of it and all of that, it's difficult to change. You know because people are more worried about green than red. But um, yeah. But anyway, the name has been changed now. Yes, it's going to take some use, to, take some time to get used to commanders and learning a new team song and all of that but it's for the better alright but anyhow let's go commanders let's go Carson Wentz let's go compete for that division title um, to all of you out there well look I'm, I'm sorry I'm not going to wish your teams well okay 
I hope nobody gets, you know, I hope that they do well on the injury front, all right, that nobody has a bunch of bad injuries or whatever. But I'm not rooting for your teams to win, particularly unless them winning does some type of favor for my team, okay? Uh, You know, that's it. I, I root for my team to win. All right. Let's just get that straight. You know, I root for, you know, as far as other players and other places, I root for them to not get hurt. I root for them to not, to, I root for them to make as much money as they possibly can. And I root for them to put up good stats. Okay. Because one day they might be on my fantasy team. Okay. <laughs> but no, I'm not rooting for all 32 teams to win. Alright, I'm indifferent towards the other 31 teams. Well, actually, no, I'm I'm indifferent towards maybe like 28 of the other teams. I root for the Dallas Cowboys to lose every week. I want the Giants to lose every week. I want the Eagles to lose. I want our division rivals to lose every week. Okay? Lose and lose bad. Okay, if I have to, particularly the Cowboys, if I have to choose between, if the Cowboys had to win a game for us to get in the playoffs. Let me tell you, it'd be a struggle for me. Okay. Uh, you know, it'd be like the meme where, like, it shows the guy with had two different buttons between two things that, they, you know, two bad choices and, you know, sweating. Because that's what it would be like if, if the Cowboys had to win a game for us to get in the playoffs. All right. So, have fun rooting for your team, okay? Because I'm I'm rooting for my team. I'm not rooting for anybody else. So have fun rooting for your team, and if your team if, if your team plays mine, you know I wish all the bad things in life happened to your team that day, other than injuries, okay? <laughs> That's what it is. All right. Uh, anyway, so if you are watching the football this weekend, do have fun. Do enjoy. Don't drink too many beers. You know, um, if you're going to a game, have fun. You know, college or pro. And most importantly, I know we didn't all, you know, forgot about the COVID. Not over. You know, COVID is still crawling around like, hey, (laughs) I'm still here. So, be careful in regards to that and, and monkeypox and God knows whatever else might be out there. So in that, uh, take care of yourselves as always and take care of each other. And I will talk to you next week. Or, I'm sorry, next episode. <laughs>